0: I remember weeping on the airplane when I was reading Francis's first world youth day, (laughs) when, when he once again called, he said Mm -hmm. the church needs a revolutionary heart. And he said, go out in the streets and make a mess. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, you don't have to be perfectly polished before you start evangelizing. And we as a church are often so afraid that someone's going to mess up and it's like, no, just go do it. And we'll make a mess. And, Mm -hmm. but, Those are the people who actually make a change.
1: Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus. We are the show where encounter meets mission. Friends, my name is Aaron Richards. I'm one of the uh, co-hosts here on the show and also one of the executive directors here at Uh, Damascus, where we are working to awaken, empower, and equip a generation to live the adventure of the Catholic faith. Uh, thanks for joining us for the Beyond Damascus show. We've got a fun one in store for you today. I'm joined here by my friends and brothers in Christ, Mr. Brad Perrin. Yeah, what's going on? Good oh, to see yeah, you. Yeah. Here Demetre. we go. Hello. Yes. Hello. Those high fives are getting crisp. Solid, solid high fives. And uh, Aaron's been working out too because that one kind of hurts. It hurts, stung a little? Yeah. I, my, my, it's also cold outside. <laughs> my but, high you know, five r- workout routine is... <laughs>
2: he's been doing good. hand strengthening <laughs> exercises. Push-ups. Putting <laughs> so in so the reps.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Friends, today we're gonna to be uh, we're gonna be reflecting on the life and the mission of uh, an, a tremendous influence on the church, um, the late Pope Benedict the Sixteenth.
0: All right. And, you know, there you go. Uh,
1: as you know, um in the Catholic world, we are uh, just a, a few days past the passing of of a legend, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. And um I thought maybe after we conclude prayer, we could jump into some stories about how his life has impacted us. And then my hope today is that we'd really uh, lock into maybe some of the ways that Pope Benedict has inspired mission in each of us. I know, I know that uh, talking with a number of priests who I admire, it's always been really interesting to see men who have identified themselves with like the John Paul, the second generation mm-hmm. to see mm-hmm. how he really inspired their all to the priesthood. And in a lot of ways for us, um, John Paul II was on the way out when we were growing up in the faith. I know I was I was deeply inspired by much of his theology and writing, but it was really Pope Benedict who was carrying it out. Who was who was carrying the charge during our initial call to, to ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, the three of us are are really the the Pope Benedict, you know, generation in terms of having received our mm-hmm. our call to mission during his leadership. Mm-hmm. So Uh, Dan, why don't you open us in prayer and
0: we'll, we'll go from there. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Good and gracious God. We love you. We worship you. We adore you. We praise you. Lori, thank you for the gift of Cardinal Ratzinger, the gift of Pope Benedict. We thank you for the gift of your leadership over the church, Lord, and the way you have sent amazing leaders into the church. Lord, Mm -hmm. we pray that you would bless this episode, inflame our minds, inspire our hearts, that we would love you and serve you more. Lord, I pray that everyone who listens to this show today would have a, the fire of the Holy Spirit just stirred in them for the sake of mission. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father and the
1: Son, God. and the Holy Spirit. Woo, woo. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it's fun. The Beyond Damascus show, so uh, like St. Paul, when he encountered Jesus, his life was transformed for mission um, you look to the life of Pope Benedict I was doing mm-hmm. some research and kind of advance of today's show, Pope Benedict was the 264th Pope, uh, apostolic succession is a real deal. It's a big
2: deal. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. It's so amazing. Uh,
1: you guys have seen the, the posters of, of like the, the apostolic succession
2: of the popes. Mm-hmm. It's,
1: it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Go so
2: good. Well, yeah. um, what is it in Paul outside the walls? They literally have so many of the popes like surrounding yeah. the like upper portion of that beautiful basilica. Yeah. And you just see the pictures of all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Benedict's in that.
1: Um, I, I was reflecting, uh, this morning in preparation for the show. So I was in college when I remember I was, I was in my freshman, uh, chemistry class when Pope Benedict's election was announced and mm-hmm. Um, it was funny. There were, there were many individuals who had various different reactions. Uh, I didn't know enough about Cardinal Ratzinger to, to make a difference, but I remember, um, a couple of the more progressively minded members of the staff at, uh, the college, which shall rename, name name this for the moment where I attended. Uh, uh, Dan, you probably recall this. It was, it was like, it was as if chaos had erupted in the church. Um, but I, I remember I remember being uh, being very encouraged, having having seen the holiness of this man as he stepped into into those first few moments. What 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 are some of the some of the memories <laughs> that you guys have of, of Pope Benedict's yeah. election or papacy?
0: Oh, I mean, I was at the same university at that time and there were well, I was in the student center as they were announcing mm-hmm. the next pontiff and it was interesting because uh, everyone knew if the name Ratzinger came which there was some suspicion amongst the theologians at the school <laughs> that that may be one of the names they knew that he was kind of the bulldog right the the tough like mm-hmm. Orthodox mm-hmm. like stronghold German bishop and um, and when his name was announced it was used to, like it was it was so interesting because you almost saw the dichotomy in the church where you had uh, one group that was like yeah and then the other group that like it looked like the breath had been taken mm. from their lungs knowing mm-hmm. that like women priesthood would have to <laughs> not happen, not happen. Yeah. <laughs> and uh but it was it was an interesting moment just to see like it was actually sad i'm mm-hmm. like wait a second we 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 were almost bringing our political agendas to mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. papacy uh, as opposed to allowing like the holy spirit to to truly move it's not like yeah. it wasn't like it was a uh a governmental election for the next president this yeah. is like we believe that this is a spirit-filled election, mm-hmm. and that the Holy Spirit gives us the next pope. Yeah. And so, to to kind of see that was an interesting learning well, lesson. And as it as
1: it turned out over the course of his papacy, um, I mean Pope Pope Benedict. I, I love that. I love that German bulldog. I use it frequently as I'm as I'm teaching about him because mm-hmm. he speaks with such power and authority mm-hmm. that it's very difficult to argue his theology. Yeah, right. But at the same time, he's he's not a traditionalist, you know, in the radical sense of the
2: of the term. So that that's what I think is fascinating about yeah. him. Is he actually he goes in, so he was brought to Vatican II as an expert theologian at the age of 35, which is crazy, okay? So like at a very young age, they realized that this guy is brilliant. And he actually went into Vatican II like as a liberal. Like he was one that was Mm. pushing for the reforms that the church was coming into. Interesting. And, And what's amazing about it is he never changed. So they, they all saw him in a liberal light at that time. And then later we know him as the German bulldog. But he never changed his <laughs> theology. Yeah, he was just consistent. <laughs> he was like, what we need to do is we need to bring the faith of the early church fathers into the church today because it's the answer to what the world's looking for. And like he, his, he actually stood in pretty, him with Carl Watiwa, who became John Paul II, like stood in pretty staunch mm. refutation of the people that were like, we need to change nothing. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, no, no. But then after Vatican II, both of those men right, were like, yeah, but you're not taking it past what we've said as the church is true, right? And that's what you see in, I think Ratzinger and later Pope Benedict's life is that he's this anchor. He's this anchor for the church that doesn't allow it to go too far this way or to go too far that way. And that's why when he was elected, I I was younger and don't remember it tremendously from like a theological perspective, but as as I got older, the different understandings you would hear, I was like, okay, well, let me look into him. And I was always like shocked because I I was reading him and I'm like, it doesn't seem like he's changed, but the yeah. parts of the church that dislike him have yeah. changed. Well, and that, that's a tell of integrity, I think. And
0: he's magnificently, I mean, Vatican II just called for a renewal of Christocentric catechesis, right? Mm-hmm. And you just mm-hmm. see all throughout his pontificate, he yeah. is just marvelous, marvelously... Christocentric. It's like everything is Jesus, 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 which mm-hmm. is just—it's just so powerful. How yeah. he—it's—it's uh, it's always fun, kind of like reading the Vatican documents and being like, "Oh, that was John Paul II. Oh, that was Benedict." Yeah, you like—you yeah. see their influence on those early documents and how they—they did—they carried it out. So right. the the church goes into incredible turmoil after a giant council like Huge. Vatican II, and the two of them were these steady anchors that helped us understand, okay, what is the Holy Spirit doing in the Mm -hmm. church today Mm -hmm. in a very healthy, holy,
2: holistic way? Yeah, it said that his last four words when he passed were, Jesus, I love Mm. Like, his love for Jesus is so evident. Like, yes, he's he's profoundly intelligent. Like, our church would be, like, (laughs) I don't know, lost in some of the theology of Vatican II without people like Emeritus Benedict. But, like, his love for Jesus, the Jesus of Nazareth series was really when I first— interacted with Cardinal Ratzinger and it, it changed me mm-hmm. like reading it. Cause it's like, you love the man you're writing about, you know? And yeah, yeah he's an amazing man. Mm-hmm. That's amazing
1: awesome. Man. Uh, he lived at the age of 95 too. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. I, I again, in, in prepping for today's show, I, I, I think I saw my first cause they, they didn't share a lot of photos of uh-huh. him in yeah. recent years, but mm-hmm. I mean, the guy lived a full life. Yeah. He lived a full Born life. Born in
2: 1927. That's crazy. Like he saw world war II. He saw yeah. like the, almost the entire 20th yeah. century. That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. So a
1: uh, couple of the highlights, uh, you know, we used to do um, in our youth ministry program, dead theologian society, where we'd go and we'd tell all the backstory. Yes. <laughs> I felt like I was doing some uh, DTS, DTS research. research yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. But so Pope Benedict was recruited, By law, to join the Hitler Youth program in in Nazi Germany, and he was, I think, 15 years old at the time. And within within the course of four or five or three or four years, he uh, he was able to escape from that program so that he could go back to study in seminary. Mm -hmm. So from an early age, like this guy was, this guy was focused on on a mission of justice and charity. Uh, I I just I can't imagine leaving conscripted service <laughs> yeah. to, to, to go and and re-engage in an mm-hmm. illegal underground seminary. Yeah.
2: Well, it's also told that his father was staunchly anti-Nazi. So like his, mm-hmm. his father was taking a stand cause he's from Bavaria. Right. And so it's a super Catholic area. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but to your point, like from the very beginning, he was trying to anchor himself in something that actually remedied all the issues that obviously he was close to well, in Germany.
0: If you have a call, um, the call always risk you something right like and I feel like so often in our modern context we're like oh, oh man I don't want to do that because it's too like risky like he's literally risking his life in the most deadly culture like In the, of the 19th century, I mean the 20th century. And it's just like, he's going at it. And I think like when we evaluate the sacrifices of the call, the Lord places on our life, Mm -hmm. are we willing to take risks? Like, or are we just going to live in a comfort kingdom and like do everything that's safe? And like he, he could have, and uh, he could have just kept going along with culture and he could have just blamed it on like, well, this is yep. what I was supposed to do. It's duty. I was Righteous. forced to yeah. do this. Yeah, yeah, and and yet, and then no one would know his name if that were the case, right? That's like, so interesting. Like, yeah. But he, at at the moment of the call, he made the decision to do what was risky yeah. and what God asked of him, mm-hmm. and because of that, we know his name. And
1: well, and that's the type of stuff that that establishes the character that then carries you on into mission. Yeah, you know. Uh, again, I, I didn't. I'm sure if if I had cared to research at a prior time, I could have known that. I could have known his backstory, but but you see those echoes evident through how he carried himself throughout the rest of his life. Yeah, he was mm-hmm.
2: fearless,
0: and yeah. when like people would trash him, it was like doesn't even phase him. He's like, okay,
2: yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> like, what, what's amazing too is what's what's rumored about him is that he was actually like one of the best listeners you'll ever meet. That like he would sit like even in the the Vatican uh, to like um, stories that came out later, they would talk about this young amazing theologian who would just sit take in so much, synthesize it and present it back. And like, we are going to get to read. Like I I can't imagine how many books he's written over like the last 10 years, but his, his ability to take in things and then present them to us so that we can move. I think that's a huge part of him. He's not just trying to inform you to inform you. He's trying to inform you so that you can move into something. And that's, my goodness! Like hmm. we would be remiss to well, not recognize what a blessing that is.
1: On that point, so Beyond Damascus is the show where encounter meets mission, and uh, mm-hmm. we could spend uh, an hour talking about the mission of Pope Benedict. But I, I want to uh, I want to maybe take this a different direction mm-hmm. and speak about the ways that his work has uniquely charged us for mission,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, friends. If if you're if you're spending some time researching the life of Pope Benedict. There's a, there's a ton of material. There's uh, amazing um, resources that are available to reflect on his life, study his works. Um, if, you know, if you want some Cliff Notes versions of some of the teachings that he's done, some of the encyclicals, those are available. Uh, countless YouTube channels or podcasts. The direction that I'd like to take it today is not really reflecting on the what of his life, but, but the impact of his teaching mm-hmm. on, on the countless apostolates and, and ministries that have come since then yeah so uh I asked each of you guys to to maybe pick two or three specific phrases that uh, of Pope Benedict, specific teachings of his that have really charged us and impacted us for mission and um we'll spend the rest of the show kind of reflecting on those, and I'm excited for the for the dialogue, yeah you know, that's fun you know uh i you you said Pope Benedict is not a not a man who's afraid to to go under fire. Mm-hmm. And I, I think in the in the areas of theology that I have been tasked with kind of defending the faith, those have been the areas where I lean most strongly on his positions. <laughs> right. So uh, you know, I'll, I'll throw out some obscure ones. Uh, the one, the one that I'll lead with is whenever I'm asked to, uh, to lead a group in praying for baptism of the Holy spirit, Mm -hmm. the, the single boldest phrase, modern phrase, I suppose, uh, Praying for baptism of the Holy Spirit, I like to I like to quote from from Pope Benedict
0: <laughs> because everyone assumes like he's he's super this, traditional and orthodox. So we always he, he's baptism yes. of the Holy Spirit. Yes. So surely he doesn't <laughs> like the Holy Spirit.
1: So uh, I'll, I'll quote I'll quote the 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 great German bulldog. <laughs> May tongues of fire, combining burning love of God and neighbor with zeal for the spread of Christ's kingdom. Descend on all present. <laughs>
2: That's, yeah,
1: this was this was his call. So, so one of the you know we, we'd like to talk about the new evangelization and Pope Benedict in reflecting on the new evangelization, John Paul II did the same, mm-hmm. but identifies that the new evangelization cannot be separated in any way from from the new Pentecost. Mm-hmm. That that evangelization in the first place was only made possible because of the because of the experience of Pentecost, the miraculous mm-hmm. experience of the Holy Spirit coming and empowering, Mm -hmm. uh, the, this generation, right? Yeah. And as John Paul II famously called the church to a, a, a new evangelization, Mm -hmm. Pope Benedict identifies that cannot happen aside from a fresh outpouring of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I love that. You know, um, so many times we, uh, so many times we kind of skirt around the issue, uh, and, we're afraid to be bold enough to, to pray in similar words, you know, may tongues of fire Mm -hmm. descend on all present (laughs) (laughs) Um, combining burning love of God and neighbor with the zeal for Christ's kingdom. Yeah.
2: Well, Mm -hmm. I think you're exactly right. Like how can you read that outside of recognizing what he's saying is in order for the new evangelization to take root, we need a new Pentecost because a new Pentecost allows us to live a new evangelization which brings in a new springtime, which yeah. he prophesied and John Paul II prophesied that like he he was just going back to what what does scripture say? What were the early church fathers experiencing? Indwelling of the Holy Spirit yeah. that led to radical mission. Yeah. You know, and he saw a need for that in the world and called it out so clearly. And I do I just don't know <laughs> how we uh Uh, how we can overlook how amazingly impactful he is because he brings two bodies in the church that I think need yoking a lot and yokes them, you know, because so often we can operate independent of our brothers or sisters that think in maybe a different way than us. And he just goes, nope, it's both. I want you to know Jesus and know the truths of the faith. And I want you to know the Holy Spirit and the fire that he brings in your life. That's awesome.
1: So I, awesome. I want to throw in another one. I'll take I'll take the first two, <laughs> just just in case you may have heard that phrase and thought, well, maybe you know, maybe he's speaking uh, yeah. speaking theoretically,
2: or well, right. we brought it out of context, right? <laughs> yeah. here's, here's uh, he didn't one. actually mean
1: it. <laughs> so uh, he he would he would go on to say, this is um this is at on the solemnity of the baptism of the Lord, praise the God, where we're yeah. we're recording on the solemnity <laughs> of the baptism of the Lord today. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was in two thousand eight. When somebody leads with these words, it's kind of a big deal. Christ's entire mission, he said, is summed up in this.
0: Okay, so is, this is, hope, is a pay attention. Moment. I, hope, I
1: hope your ears have. Perfect. Amen, amen. I say to you, dot dot dot. Christ's entire mission is summed up in this: uh, to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to free us from the slavery of death, and to open heaven to us. Uh, oftentimes, when I when I Quote those words. I like to first say that it is Bill Johnson, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, and uh, and then and then to reveal the the reality to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to Mm -hmm. free us from the slavery of death,
2: and to open heaven to us. Um, you almost need a blind reveal, like put the quote and then put like a a silhouette (laughs) beside it. Who Who says this? this? (laughs) Boom! It's the it's the German bulldog himself, the German Shepherd Benedict. yeah, Yeah, that's
1: awesome. Brad when you were when you were speaking about the fact that uh, Pope Benedict beautifully sort of reconciles us um two camps within Catholicism that may uh seem oppositional to one mm-hmm. another it's it's through phrases like this i feel where um you know he reaches into the heart of scripture and he he effectively says hey um let there be no cause for concern mm-hmm. right let there be no cause for opposition among And, uh, I don't know, I, I, I find so much, so much consolation. Um, I like to, I like to share with our missionaries. Oftentimes we, we look to the support of the church sort of for permission to believe the words of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that, that can sometimes be a dangerous thing where, uh, where we are tempted to elevate. Uh, you know, tradition mm-hmm. to a point where if tradition doesn't say it, then I'm not going to believe what Scripture actually speaks. Mm-hmm. and the the words of Jesus, the words of of Paul, right, couldn't be clearer mm-hmm. about about christ's mission of bringing us to to empowerment with the Holy Spirit but um, but to to hear that reinforced, you know time and time again. And to hear that reinforced with such authority, uh, it it just it brings it brings peace and consolation. Um, the matter is finished, right?
0: Well, and Benedict's not like he's not on a soapbox for the charismatic no, renewal. No, no, not, so he's not, not talking all. about like uh because I think sometimes even the what was so beautiful about both Benedict and John Paul II was that their theology truly all came from baptism. Like they, their understanding of who we are as Mm -hmm. Christian, it flows forth from this understanding of baptism and to, to be baptized in the Holy spirit, to be uh, recreated in Christ Jesus, to be transformed into the new person, the new man. It's like Mm -hmm. that, it, you see all the missional, uh, all the missional activity and the 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 call to evangelization, the call to mm-hmm. receive this outpoint of the Holy Spirit that you see from both of these great pontiffs is it, it, it's so rooted in, mm-hmm. in in baptism that it's so misunderstood. Like yeah. we just we breeze over it, and it's yeah. like no, wait. And baptism, you're recreated, you're set free from your sin, you're you're anointed priest, prophet, and king. You you're empowered with the Holy Spirit. You have infused faith, hope, and love. And you see these two theologians just. Uh, like almost so much of their theology is just truly, it's mm-hmm. just an unpacking of baptism and who we are as as his sons and daughters. And there's something that uh, it's almost like the church lost mm-hmm. lost the the value and the impact of our baptismal call. And Vatican II opened the door to that with the universal call to holiness, the universal call to mission. And yep. it's like, let's just teach people, again, who you are
2: called to be. So that's actually where Ratzinger is really unique, too. So, like, even at Vatican II, right, a lot of the people coming to Vatican II were out of the, like, neo-scholastic class. So a lot of them were studying Aquinas, and they had a lot of the, like, rationale for yep. our faith down. But, like, Ratzinger, interestingly enough, actually wasn't primarily studying Aquinas. He went to Bonaventure. Yeah, the Franciscan, right? And before Bonaventure, Augustine. So he actually was going back because what he was saying is exactly that. He was saying, we have learned how to rationalize our faith, which is so good and important. It's Mm -hmm. so good and Mm -hmm. important. But at the end of the day, what is the simplest aspect of our faith that was understood even at the beginning that we need back now? So it's it's easy to see how he made the move to baptism because he went back to the church fathers who are all talking about what Jesus was doing in scripture. And what did Jesus do in scripture? He was baptized by John the Baptist and then the father's blessing yeah. came over him. Yeah. And of course he makes that move. Like, And I think that that's the brilliance there is now we live in this age where we can take in the rationality of Aquinas and the impactful understanding of Augustine and then back into the church father's that Ratzinger mm-hmm. brought back alive.
0: So this is a really interesting point. Well, first of all, that's mind blowing that the greatest German theologian of the modern world was more Bonaventure and than It's just, that's shocking, right? Cause German theology <laughs> is so, uh, uh, yeah. Thomistic. Yeah. but at the same, so seminaries, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's interesting because the full impact of Benedict's and, and you know, Ratzinger's uh. theology has not been realized yet in the church because seminaries are so Thomistic, they mm-hmm. don't know how to incorporate often mm-hmm. his theology. And so you don't see his theology in, in seminary life very much. And because of that, his theology isn't being, it's not it's not being studied, it's not being evaluated, it's not being implemented as much. Mm-hmm. And I, I think He's going to become known as the new Thomas Aquinas. I think his theology is actually going to have a as great of an impact on the future of the church as Thomas Aquinas' theology had uh, the last five hundred years. I think the next five hundred years we're going to see this unpacking, Mm -hmm. which is going to reveal, if you will, this Franciscan thought, this uh, Augustine thought that has been yeah yeah, that has been dormant in our church. Mm -hmm. And uh, I honestly think the uh, like. Augustine thought, the Bonaventure Franciscan yep. thought is actually way more conducive to evangelization in the modern world, in the modern world than mm-hmm. Thomistic thought. Not to say I don't like Thomistic thought. I think it's, it's wonderful, but Thomistic thought is it, it's rationalization, which is really hard in this, this world that doesn't care about rationalization anymore. Mm-hmm. They, they yeah. want experience. They want understanding. And so I think
2: Pope Benedict saw that. So that's what I'm saying is that quote that you're mentioning, Aaron, can you say it again? Because I think what, like the reason he's going to these quotes is precisely that. He's saying, yes, we can rationalize all day, but if you're starting from disparate paths, it's actually experience that's gonna bring these together, I think.
1: Christ's entire mission is summed up in this, to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to free us from slavery of death, and to open heaven to us exactly,
2: yeah, and and august that's so clearly Augustinian, like 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 <laughs> le- legitimately Benedict, he said that like if he was ever on an island, he would take the holy scriptures and the confessions, like that's what he would take, and like he this this it comes out of this heart of well, I mean, look at augustine, radical yeah. conversion yeah. it mm-hmm. comes out of a heart of radical conversion and radical conversion that happened through an experience of God that yeah. leads right? to a radical
0: response and augustine yeah.
2: was Beautifully rational. That yep. dude was brilliant mm. and it was an experience that brought him to God. And I think yeah. Benedict related to that of like, I mean, Benedict's like his intelligence is through the roof. Yeah. But he saw that like in order for this intelligence to be grasped, yep. there's something that Holy Spirit's doing to yep. make it tangible. Mm. So
1: so I I I uh led in saying that we're gonna speak about how these things have inspired us for mission. And I know for me personally, it was it was uh Statements like this mm-hmm. that in, that inspired me in a time when I even myself was questioning whether this is safe, right? And uh, as you probably have picked up, if you've watched the show a time or two, yeah, mm-hmm. that uh, our work of mission is impossible without relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Good luck trying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I know for, for many of us, myself included, you know, there will come times still where I will, for whatever reason, feel hesitant or um, feel, you know, like, all right, uh, you know, God, you've, you've told me to do this. This is going to be, it's going to be better. It's going to be more authentic. It's going to be easier if I, if I just buckle down and, Mm -hmm. and do it on my own strength. Right. And it is, I think it's, it's words like this. It's phrases like this that say, no, you've got to, you've got to place your trust in, in mystery. In order to be empowered yeah. to see to see the transformation that I've promised for you,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so you know I, I can I can trace back and I think we've had a couple shows where I've given some testimony about the various points where truly uh, an experience of baptism of the Holy Spirit has mm-hmm. has transformed my mission uh, I, you know there's there's no greater thing that's had impact on my mission mm-hmm. than 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 prayer for for surrender and receiving baptism of the spirit and And I think to, to have, to have dad put his hand on your shoulder and say, this is good.
2: Yeah. Well, those points of transformation. So like when we look at our natural lives, like I graduated high school, I graduated college, something ended and something new started. Like you, you think back and you remember, like, I remember my last football game, like something ended and something else that I didn't know was starting in the supernatural realm, right? Like in our spiritual lives. That's the case too. And like, I I hope those listening today, like that's what baptism in the Holy Spirit does. It's those points that we look back and we say, Mm. man, something ended in a way and something new started. Like I don't, and and I'm learning what that new is as I'm experiencing it, but something changed. yeah. And uh, like, um, well, I guess we're gonna do the Augustine thing. Augustine once said that like, he who receives the Eucharist in faith receives fire, Yep. right? And that they were called to actually allow that fire to purge them and then to spread in the world. And Benedict, in a very similar way, makes that move of, like, when the Holy Spirit touches your life, he changes you, and then you change the world. And that's straight out of Vatican II, the universal calls to holiness and mission, which we talk about all the time. But all of it's in those quotes, right? And so, I mean, it's inspired every apostolate in the Western world, you know? And I think (laughs) credits just do there. Like, what an amazing man. Like, I, I pray that he's a profound intercessor for all of us. Yeah. You know?
1: Dan, what you got? Uh, what, what are some words from, from Benedict? It's funny. Cause you?
2: when we were bantering, um, about what we we're going to do on
0: this show. I was like, man, I just don't know how much Benedict's theology has impacted my ministry. And <laughs> I forgot, <laughs> I, mean, I literally wrote my first book and like sold a hundred thousand copies of this book based <laughs> off of just one simple phrase of this man that like shifted my entire life. So his, um, his first world youth day in Cologne, Germany, mm-hmm. um, uh, in 2005, I wasn't I wasn't there present. I wasn't even really paying attention to World Youth Day. Um, And but I was a youth minister. And um, after World Youth Day had ended, I you know went on Vatican's website and just printed off all of the different talks and uh, I mean all the different homilies uh, that uh, from Benedict. And uh, I'm in the Adoration Chapel. I'm just reading his his homilies, and he you know he just talks about this the the state of the world, and he he was just sharing how our world is in dire need of a spiritual revolution of holiness. And I don't, I don't know why, but those words just really resonated me that this, mm-hmm. this world was in, in dire need of a spiritual revolution of holiness. I think it's interesting, a man who grew up in the midst of uh communism and the the Nazi Holocaust and all of that, mm-hmm. this, that he just sees the darkness of the world and he starts crying out for this spiritual revolution of holiness. And, um and it's, you know, having seen like a man having seen so much violence in his life, like choosing to use a word like revolution, uh, a violent word, if you will, this yep. overthrow. Um, but point, but using holiness as the 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 kind of revolution the world needed that mm-hmm. um, that the church needed to to call to arms. It was this call yeah, to arms, yeah. right? And uh, and then he <clears> says, only from God, only from the saints, does true revolution come, and that we would be a people and that i that that those words only from the saints will revolution come this um it, it inspired within me this eager longing this desire to just be as holy as i can to shift the world around us. And you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of a history buff. Like I love American history and grew up in a military family and all of my uncles, my dad, they were all military. And so like, I love the American revolution. Right. And the, uh, so just the word revolution speaks to my heart just naturally because, uh, my hunger for freedom and Mm -hmm. this, this call to, okay, so what is the revolution It's this uprising of people uh, and often young people, right? And he's speaking to million, like mm-hmm. millions of of young people. It's an uprising of young people who see the world as it is and say, "Listen, I'm not going to live my life allowing the world to exist the way it is." But there's something about a revolutionary who says, "I'm going to sacrifice everything I have to shift this world mm-hmm. because the world needs to look different." And yeah. that there's these authorities that lay hold to our uh, of our world that I'm sick of. And I'm going to, I'm going to fight against these authorities. And you see Benedict, he does this in his pontificate where he fights against these authorities that lay hold of the culture, like Mm. individualism, relativism, uh, materialism, communism. And he fights against these authorities, spiritual Mm -hmm. authorities. Right. And he says, let's, let's go, let's shift the way the world thinks. And it inspired me just this, I, I don't know, like a prophetic fire, a fight, a, a boldness. And I, I think for me for mission, it was like, okay, not only am I going to live a revolutionary, mm-hmm. like yeah. revolutionary life, but I want to bring people into a revolution that like, mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to be frontline fighters. Thomas Aquinas says yeah. that the confirmation makes us frontline
2: fighters mm-hmm. of the faith. And, uh, it, yeah. it sounds like he gave you permission too, right? Like it, there's something about, um, people who make statements like that and it speaks to a part of our heart that mm. we're wanting to actualize, but we're nervous to, you Yeah, know? like it sounds as you're saying that, like that unlocked something. It, like, yeah. it gave me permission to not just think I was being a bully or brash or just knocking yeah. things down, but it actually, Whoa, that fire could actually be used in the right way. Yeah. Is that fair? No, that's say?
0: so good. Yeah. Cause I was, I was probably 19 or 20 at the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sure. And you, you get told a lot when you're a zealous 20 year old, yeah, I got told a whole <laughs> lot. Like you're too much. Yeah. Calm down, calm down. And, uh, and I've never does. been very zealous. Yeah, so no. I know. Well, no, and it's kidding. so funny because people always say like, Oh, you just think that way. Cause you're young or, Oh, mm. uh, like, well, just wait till you get older. I'm like, what? Like, and I'm yeah. 38. I'm still just <laughs> aspiring. Zealous. And, uh, But I I think there is something about that permission of like uh, him speaking to the young church and not being afraid to tell the young, like to give a call to arms to the young church, right? And I think so often in the church world, right, we we try to keep youthfulness under control because Mm -hmm. we don't want to make any mistakes. And both him and Francis, I remember weeping on the airplane when I was reading Francis's First World Youth Day, yes, when, yes. when he once again called, he said, the church needs a revolutionary heart. And he said, go out in the streets and make a mess. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, you don't have to be perfectly polished before you start evangelizing. And we as a church are often so afraid that someone's going to mess up. And it's like, no, just go do it and we'll make a mess. And, mm-hmm. but those are the people who actually make a change. Yeah
1: that's that's awesome yeah and Danny just to you know so I, I got to live those days with you as
0: well and I was a little obnoxious with it too well <laughs> Cause I will, it was it was so important to me yeah. I
1: wonder if um I I, I want to speak this just because I think it might it might uh help maybe some of our listeners uh, that wasn't the first time that message had been placed on your heart Yeah. Mm-hmm. um but up until that point I think it was really kind of a whirlwind of concept mm-hmm. and uh those words of Pope Benedict I think began to really draw to focus and, and redirect. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I just, I feel, I feel like there may be people who are listening to the show today who, who do feel tremendous passion on their heart around mm-hmm. a particular topic.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but, but feel like they're still in that whirlwind. And my, my word of, of, um, cons- of consolation to you would be that the church offers that focus. Mm-hmm. That if yes. you can, if you can, if you can seek the wisdom and the riches of of the church of her leadership, that oftentimes it's not meant to bridle you, but it's meant to focus you. Yeah. So that so that your passion can have yeah. impact.
0: Well, I think sometimes too, like uh, you see in the, the prophets in the old testament, they're given a very specific word from the Lord, and the Lord asked them to deliver that word word into the world. And it was as if, like, through mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit, the Lord had given me that word, even though it was Benedict's word, right? Yep. It was it was like as if he he had placed a scroll in my hands and said you're called to give this like mm-hmm. promote this promote this and it it was like. Uh, um, it was like a burden was put on me until i started promote and like i mean you know because mm-hmm. during those years it was like i wrote the book holiness revolution every every message every talk i gave included holiness revolution because it was this prophetic word that was like the mm-hmm. lord said i want you to deliver this to the church and ultimately i mean at some point that that burden that 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 message from the lord to like deliver it, mm-hmm. it it's 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 no longer there it's not my my commission right now but i do think that sometimes you can be reading the lives of the saints, a mm-hmm. word buried in church history from a patristic, yep. like one of the church fathers mm-hmm. or uh, from, you know, from Augustine, from Thomas Aquinas, from John Paul II, from Benedict. And the, the Lord just says, like, get this back in. Yeah. Like, I spoke this word for the mm.
2: church. Like, echo it, echo it, echo it. Let it this again. word Do become. It yeah. Well, it's the word <laughs> of a father, too. Like, there is something about a son. That's the beauty of our church. We call our spiritual mentors fathers. We don't call them spiritual mentors. We, we don't we don't call them just our, our leaders, our church leaders. Our, they're, our, they're our fathers, right? And so Benedict, as, as the pontiff, the supreme father, spoke a word that his son heard and was like, yes, I can be who I was made to be. Yeah. Because the father gave me a word of confirmation. That's the beauty of the church. The church isn't around to confine us. It's there to free us because when the magisterium, when the tradition, when the saints of old speak something that I've been wrestling with in the whirlwind, it anchors all of a sudden through the fire, through the wind, there's that still small voice. That's like, that's the Lord, Yeah, you know? And that's the gift, right? Like, cause your life, Dan, like it it just needs to be said that your life from that point has lived that, right? Mm -hmm. You've lived that line. And that, that's amazing. Like to, to see that a word from a father and we see that in the mm-hmm. baptism of Jesus, it launches, it yeah. launches and it allows us to live freely. I think. Anyway. Well,
0: I think it's, it's funny too. Cause the, like the book was all about the missional call that Benedict had for the church and, and John Paul II and just pulling out John Paul II's words, Benedict's words and saying like, and then of course scripture just saying clearly the call to mission is in, in this. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so now do it. And early, like I remember net ministries whenever they had young men especially that were like on the fence cuz guys just don't want to step up to mission so right. like Matt Ryswick, who's the head recruiter at he's net he's awesome he's like every he's like every young guy who's thinking i just give them holiness revolution because it's like it's going to challenge them that their life is meant to be mission mm-hmm. right that and and John Paul II Benedict they were so clear on it and then you have Francis right out of the gate. As soon as, yeah, you have Evangelion gaudium where he literally says, I am mission. The mm-hmm. church is called to be a community of missionary disciples. I also think that Benedict actually pre-wrote Evangelion I So it <laughs> is great, I think greatly, it was
2: a, um, like spread that that's yeah, the case. Yeah, I, yeah. Think,
0: I think he was about to release it and then he retired and was like, here, Francis, go. Here.
2: <laughs> and then Francis put like sourpuss Christians and a yeah. bunch of things in there yeah. and like, I'm going to make yeah. this extra spicy. Yeah. yeah, just watch this. I'm going to write the word right <laughs> sourpuss.
0: Yeah, for sure but uh but the the it was it's such a clear call to mission from our pontiffs mm-hmm. that like if you don't get it then you're just not paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: That's so good.
1: All right Brad, uh Dan and I have shared some some Something, from the heart yeah. but what what do you got?
2: Mine I actually uh I had a couple things come to mind but I I want to present I think just probably the simplest one. Mm-hmm. So like both of you are saying there's been this um I would say burden on my heart since I encountered Jesus that I wanted everyone to know that life with him was possible, that he was real, that he was calling them personally, and they needed to do something. Like, they needed to act. Like, that just from the very beginning. And um, I stumbled on this quote from... Benedict, probably like two years into my conversion. And for those listening, I always say like, when I, I, I need to clarify conversion, two most important days in a Catholic's life, the day they're baptized, the day they find out why. It took me 20 years to find out why. That's what I'm calling my conversion. So two years after that, I'm like reading through some of Benedict's writings and I stumble on this quote that says this, the church exists to do three things, to worship, to evangelize, and to care for the poor. Simple. And it just rocked me. Because it it just took everything that I had been wrestling with conceptually and things like that, coming up with the best strategy for a diocese, the best strategy for a campus ministry. And it's like, that's what the church exists to do. So we need to provide avenues for the church to do those three things, Mm -hmm. you know? And so then I just did a really deep dive into Jesus of Nazareth and other things to try to catch his heart. Like, what does he mean? I, I read Spirit of the Liturgy. Like, what does he mean by worship? He means a lot of things by worship, right? <laughs> yeah. Like he means a lot of things by worship. What does he mean by evangelize? He means a lot of things by evangelize. What does he mean by care for the poor? He means a lot. And and I think what it did for me, because- Anyone listening, you guys know, especially, my heart is that the church would be on mission again. I think we've lost mission in the Western world, which is why we're losing people from the pews. Mm. I don't think it's because our teachings are outdated. I don't think, I think it's because we've lost zeal. We've lost confidence. We've lost the ability to look at someone and say, Hey, I know, I know the way you're going through is hard, but the solution's found in Jesus. And I can show you. Just follow me, imitate me, imitating Christ, like the Paul type evangelization. Anyway, his differentiation, which is where I want to throw it to you guys to see your thoughts on it of evangelize and care for the poor changed my life because Mm -hmm. the only evangelization I knew before I was 20 years old is care for the poor. And if those were the same thing, if they were mutually inclusive, then he would say the church existed to do two things, you know, but he doesn't. He says it exists to do three things, which I think is really profound. So Mm -hmm. there's something different in serving and sharing. There's something different in literally sharing the good news and serving from the heart of God. They they both matter. I'm not saying one is better than the other. What I'm saying is he differentiated them on purpose. And so now in my life, I'm just obsessed with this wrestle of like, what does it mean for every person in every state of life to both share and serve, right? Yes, we all need to worship. And then we need to share, evangelize, euangelion. We need to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the victor. And we need to care for the poor, which means, yes, the 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 poor in the streets, of course, but also the poor in spirit, the the, the poor that wouldn't have something unless I brought it, yeah. right? That what, what poor means is I'm deficient in something unless it's provided by someone else. So, anyway, so that's clearly my... written in scripture. I mean, so Jesus, clearly, yes.
0: Jesus clearly cares for the poor and he clearly proclaims the kingdom. Yes. And then when he commissions us, he commissions us to do these two things as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even in church tradition, you have the corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy mm-hmm. it's care for the the bodily needs Good. of man yeah. and the spiritual needs yep. of man and so and the only reason the only way that we can have that disposition of heart is through love mm-hmm. i think
2: it, it's mm-hmm.
0: it, or i mean i'm sorry through worship sure, which leads sure. to love of love, man yeah. which leads yes. to evangelization Love the lord your god and with all your heart mind
2: soul and strength for and this poor. one's like it yeah love your neighbor
0: when it's so i mean uh, his 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 pontificate is is so unexpected, and it's uh, it goes against all preconceived notions of what I was hearing when I was a young twenty year old in college. Mm-hmm. That so I heard, and it, it even goes beyond. If you actually look at his, his pontificate, it's very different than what most people who have an agenda ascribe to him, right? Mm-hmm. So you'll have you'll have people that are agenda driven who are ascribing this is what Benedict says, and it's very like. Um, Ultra traditionalist, right? Uh, all all Latin Mass type stuff, and then mm-hmm. um, and then like when he was elected, like all the the progressive the theologians of the liberals of the church were like, oh no, like he's just going to be this insane, like 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 mean, nasty, yeah. horrible person who doesn't love people, and then like all of this encyclicals are just about love. It's just yeah. like his concern was, I want you to evangelize, I want you to care for the poor, and I want you to worship the living God, mm-hmm. because. That's love, and yes. that's the perfection. You you encounter love himself, and then love himself becomes the perfection of charity. Love itself lived throughout you, and yeah. there's like his his pontificacy. If if one word summarizes, I really think it's it's love. It's yep. it's caritas. Yep. Yep. It was his it's agenda. Kary-tos. Yeah, like mm-hmm. keritas was his agenda. He he had a. He did have a social agenda, and he had a theological agenda, and they're both represented in caritas. Yeah, well, they're derivatives of. Yeah, right,
2: because that's what we do sometimes is we put these like little smaller agendas as the primary agenda, and and it messes things up because then we die on hills we don't have.
0: Even his liturgical agenda, if you will, is that service to love of God. (laughs) It's just (laughs) it's 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 wild. Mm
1: -hmm. That I was I've been looking for a chance to sneak in a line here or there, but (laughs) I mean it's it's the entire theme. Right. Yeah, of
0: everything he writes, it's, yeah is his, a pon, uh, His his
1: his three um uh letters, uh Deus Caritas Est, of course, God is love. <laughs> right. Um Spez Salvi is mm-hmm. is incredible. There's there's some just amazing uh statements here. I wanna read I wanna read one, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. Brad, I know you'll love this because you're on a, a hope kick recently. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Brad is on a hope kick. I like it. <laughs> I it's a good been, kick. Yeah.
1: The dark door of time of the future has been thrown open, he says. The one who has hope lives differently. The one who has hope has now been granted the gift of a new life. He says the Christian message is not only informative, but performative. That means the gospel is not merely a communication of things that can be known, but it's one that makes things happen and is life-changing. And then, and then his, in his, his, third, uh, his third apostolic letter, Caritas veritate right um like dan you said this this could have been perceived as something you know it, it's it's about those those scary words social justice right yeah. but yeah. it but it roots justice in love yeah um just just a, a profound
2: yeah. profound reflection it makes things happen i mean like that's like Yes, like love, when I, when I embrace love, it makes things happen in me and makes things happen through me. Yeah. And this is, the, this is the false dichotomy that, that I, I, I don't know, in my own heart, I just attack all of the time. It's like, yep. yes, God wants to do more in you than he wants to do through you but that should prove to you fascinating because of how much he wants to do through you. Like (laughs) don't lose sight of that. Like I think sometimes because of our temperaments Mm. and things like that, we want to excuse part of the whole, like we're called to worship, to evangelize and to care for the poor. Like I'm extroverted. I'm an external processor. I get a lot of life from people that doesn't give me an excuse not to sit down with Jesus every day. Right? Like I need to sit down in the quiet and I need to get on my knees and be before the Lord that I love. And that's hard for me. You know, and then others are like, "Yeah, it's really hard for me to get my nose out of a book because I would just sit in the scriptures with the Lord all day." Great. Well, now we have different sides that are difficult, but it doesn't give either of us excuses not yeah. to pursue the other. And I think that when you hear a word like what Benedict says there, it makes things happen. Like, allow that to happen in you and then through you. I think
0: that I think what you're saying, Brad, is if if you if you want to evaluate whether or not your your prayer is useful or yeah. efficacious or authentic, right, is what's, what's the fruit of it? Like is, is your time with the Lord this time of worship? Is it producing greater love in your life? Mm -hmm. And if it's, if it's not, then like something probably has to change in your prayer life, right? Mm -hmm. Or you need to go go into that chamber more because evangelization and care for the poor seem to me to just be the natural overflow of worship. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when I, I live a life of worship of God and I encounter love himself, like love himself propels me to evangelize. Love Himself propels me to care for the poor. And, and the, the beauty of the variety of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which I've been in my prayer to the Holy Spirit recently, I've just been naming the Holy Spirit love instead of like calling him like, so like love, I love you or, or mm-hmm. love and, and like having conversations with him and, 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 ascribing love as his name. And I think what, mm-hmm. um, it's like love he pours out his gifts and 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 those gifts are love himself right cuz mm-hmm. it's not just the gifts of the holy spirit is it is the the gift of the holy spirit and the gift of the holy spirit is the gift of love living in me and that gift of love living in me is manifested through me and it gets manifested mm-hmm. through the way i care for the poor the sick the lonely the dying the suffering it's it's manifested through the way i care for those who uh, by instructing the ignorant and sharing the truth and and sharing good. the good news of the gospel mm-hmm. and as love fills my heart love fills my lips love fills my hands love fills my feet love fills my eyes mm-hmm. and i'm able to be an extension of christ in the world and it's it, his his encyclicals lay this out so beautifully right mm-hmm. that it all goes back what is love Well, how do we understand what love is and god is love and god is god's love is lived in so many ways throughout our life and let me add one thing to that
2: and then Aaron i wonder what you think about it i i think i agree so like if you if you're um, looking at your prayer time and to what, what, um, degree is, is the prayer time efficacious, things like that. You judge a tree by its fruit. We read that in scripture, but I think we need to judge fruit in two ways, right? Mm -hmm. So, so there's a quality of fruit that are coming from my branches and then that fruit, when it falls, bears seed and grows trees around me and see what happens sometimes is I think we, we think about, um, the fruit that it's bearing in my own life? Like, am I more virtuous? Am I more character bound? Am I more disciplined, right? Those things matter a lot. And we should judge fruit in that way. We should also judge fruit off when my fruit falls and the seeds spread, are those trees healthy too? And to what degree have I made an orchard? No matter how big that is, but like the fruit is not just an internal manifestation of quality, but also an external manifestation of quantity. Like my prayer... Should change me, and should also change at least the people immediately yeah. proximal to me. That's beautiful. Right? I the, think- Christian,
1: the Christian community is both a cause and a reaction.
2: Hmm. Yes,
1: right. That that we we cannot we cannot sustain ourselves on our own. We don't live in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And also, the evidence of a life fully lived will be others. Right. Right. Um, gosh, I was just sharing on this the other day. I wish I had that quote at the tip of my tongue, but um, you know if. If we are not bearing fruit, mm-hmm. then we're failing in our in our primordial call, right? That that first call that God gave to man was was be fruitful and multiply, like yep. fill the earth and subdue it. That uh if our if our mission is not um multiplying, mm-hmm. right, then it's then it's
0: dying. Right. Very interesting that we don't actually go back to that call more often in the missionary mandate too. You know, yeah. I think the you know, we've limited it simply to
2: um procreation
0: <laughs> yeah and not the great commission well i was thinking yeah. about that
2: even in that tree and now it be fruitful and multiply that quantity that external um subdue it subdue the earth like discipline like there it's oh al- it's always been out and in it's yeah. always been out and in like it's up out and in right like up the worship out evangelization in the prayer the holy like it's mm. always it's always been up out and in mm. But
1: that's beautiful. Well, praise praise the Lord, praise the Lord for an incredible man um, who's who's impacted each of us uniquely, Mm -hmm. and uh, I know who's impacted um, millions millions of Catholics in the Church today. Uh, If you don't know that you've been impacted by Pope Benedict, well, you have. (laughs) You
2: have, yeah. Uh, And look into him honestly; it'll change your life.
1: I'll I'll throw out one more that's just funny. Uh, The Not so much funny as much as I I love to, I love to toss this again. One of the, one of the criticisms that, that has been levied against us once or twice has been as the Holy spirits manifested himself here at Damascus, particularly through uh, miracles of healing. Mm -hmm. Um, It it tends to make people uneasy a little bit. So I like to, I like to just quote the great Pope Benedict XVI. Mm -hmm. Healing is an essential dimension of the apostolic mission and of Christianity when understood at a sufficiently deep level, this expresses the entire content of redemption. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, so
1: so
0: there you have it. Yes,
2: well, yeah. He goes on. He has a couple. Um, uh, Wait, and- I just
0: I just like how Aaron just says it <laughs> and then <it> says nothing.
2: Well, here's what's
1: here's what's funny. You know, uh, and again, I I, I I jest, you guys, you guys know this. Um, I, I'd love and appreciate and, and preach about frequently the deep, meaningful theology of redemptive suffering. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but understand that, that healing is the entire content of redemption, that redemptive suffering exists for the sake of healing. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, uh- Ultimately, my suffering will end, and I'll be in heaven where I'll be fully healed. Where God will wipe every tear unless, from my
1: eyes. Unless you deny it because you prefer suffering, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is hell. Yes, no, right.
2: eternal suffering. Well, I was just about to say that because he's so he's so like um, he's so centered on Jesus that it would it would be like saying. Um, to not be able to hold redemptive suffering and healing together would be like saying, if we spend too much time on the theology of the resurrection, we would not have adequate theology on the suffering death of Jesus. Hmm. It's like, no, like, no, they actually go together. (laughs) They they actually, because that's the way God made it to go. Like, no, no, one, and that's, I think, a flaw in the church sometimes is we think that, a rising tide sinks some ships it's like no it, it raises all of yeah. them like yeah. the more we understand healing the more we understand suffering the more we understand suffering the more we understand we, healing. we
1: can go into that in great in depth a in a subsequent <laughs> show i just wanted to toss that out there for the sake of being provocative
2: yeah. yes but no he's a gift honestly he's such a gift yeah. thank god for him i yeah.
0: was uh reflecting on when he passed just my son giovanni was like i don't understand how there was two popes dad like and, and uh <laughs> So I kind of just explained how he retired and um just the the it, that was pretty controversial when he mm-hmm. decided to mm-hmm. retire and just that like the amount of humility that must have taken um for him to make that decision and I just like that had like first of all the fear that that must that decision may have had like yeah. I don't as as the holy father <laughs> I don't want to make the wrong decision here right And the, the amount of intimacy he must have had with the voice of God, not to take like man's approval or man's suggestion, but just like, I'm listening to the Holy spirit and what he's instructing on me to, to do. And I'm going to do it, even though I'm the first of 264 to ever do this. And, um, I'm not the first, first in 600 years.
2: Well, okay. (laughs) Okay. There you go. Is that how long it had been? That's amazing. And,
0: And then to, uh, to, to know that there was going to be such controversy that followed and Mm -hmm. just that this insane act of humility, this insane act of, um, obedience Mm -hmm. to God's word in his Mm -hmm. own private life, I think is, is profound.
1: Certainly. That's beautiful. Let's, let's close in prayer. Uh, you know, we will, we will pray for, for the intercession of, um, all the popes who've gone before us and for the prayers of Pope Benedict. We pray for Pope Benedict for his soul. Um, uh, let's go ahead and begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen, Lord, we are immensely grateful for uh, for a man who's who has impacted the church, a man who you chose to lead us. Mm-hmm. um we're grateful for uh, we're grateful for that decision, God for for sending a man who was able to uh, speak truth where it needed spoken, to inspire hearts in need of inspiration, God, and to call each of us. To mission in a radical way, we pray, Jesus, that you would receive His soul um, into eternal glory. Uh, we pray um, that everybody who who has heard His words would be moved to, to a passionate response, and we pray also for for maybe those who uh, who were um, for those where division uh, was a response. Jesus, that that you would bring healing and restoration, In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 In The name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I hope that you were inspired by today's show. Uh, you know, we we only scratched the surface. If you want to do a little research for yourself, all of all of uh, Pope Benedict's apostolic exhortations would be would be worth a read. Mm-hmm. And again, if you have trouble with the full text, feel free to check out some of the summary notes. Oftentimes, those reflections are. Uh, maybe even more impactful and at least easier to digest. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us for Beyond Damascus. This is the show where encounter meets mission. Special thanks also to our friends at St. Gabriel Radio and all those who have made it possible for us to uh, accomplish this show. And uh, we're grateful for you for joining us today. This show wouldn't be possible, or at least we'd look pretty silly if you (laughs) weren't a part of our uh, every weekly routine. (laughs) So um, please like, share, uh, comment, and subscribe to get the show in the hands of as many people as possible. Uh, We just want to see the impact that the Lord's doing through this show
0: continue to spread. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you again next time.